Coming at you from Handsome Headquarters here in sunny Los Angeles, California. I'm Lee Sanger Golden, and you're listening to me talk on the internet. I'm joined remotely, as always, by my illustrious co-host, Ben. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing all right. Thanks, Lee. Great. Well, today, um, as residents of sunny Los Angeles, California, um, at a time when, um, you know, we should all be out um, enjoying the the beautiful emerging uh, summer-ish weather, as we should be, um, you know, sitting out, brunching around, drinking margs at noon, we're all sequestered at home. And um, we're, but we're the lucky ones, right? And um, there's a lot of people that we see around every day uh, who aren't as lucky as, as us, whether it's uh, um, in terms of their uh, psychological health or their um, emotional health or their, their um, financial background. And so today um, we wanted to focus on um, the homelessness crisis uh, that is occurring in uh, our city, which um, has the, the, um, has the potential to be one of the greatest humanitarian crises that we will have seen in, in our lifetime. Um, does that sort of summarize what, what we want to talk about today? Yeah, I think so. Great. And so when you brought up this topic and you sent me a, a very interesting article uh, from the Los Angeles Times um, about all of this, um, immediately what came to my mind, um, or who came to my mind, uh, is an individual who in uh, his public and private life and professional life um, has uh, not only been involved in um, the situation um, with trying to make the situation better uh, in terms of the homeless crisis in um, in in Los Angeles, someone who is, in, in my mind, one of the most empathetic people, um, just in in general, but also someone who has a keen understanding of the challenges that are going against not only the people experiencing homelessness, but the challenges going against. Uh, those who are trying their best to advocate and ally themselves uh, with these individuals. Um, and that gentleman is named Josh. Josh, welcome to the phone. Welcome to the, the show. You're talking on the internet. How are you doing? Great. Thank you so much for having me, and thank you for the kind words. Absolutely. So, um, Josh, you've you've worn numerous hats in life. Uh, you were a Peace Corps volunteer, uh, you have and are currently serving on a um, on a neighborhood council here in Los Angeles County. Is, is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. So you are a duly elected public official representing um, a, a portion of these United States. Is that correct? Correct. I, I believe the term they often use is an unpaid elected volunteer. Oh, okay. Well, that sounds very important. <laughs> you must make a lot of, you get a lot of kickbacks from this is what you're saying. Do you get like, do you get like free food or anything? Do you like, do you have like a little uh, card that you flash? <laughs> nope. Uh, you know, with, with no power comes, uh, no even opportunities for, for, for perks <laughs> or responsibility. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so you're you're saying like like most of the California the California legislature and then the legislature for the United States at large is pretty much uh, convening remotely. Is is that the same for your neighborhood council? You know, it's interesting. You should ask. Uh, you know, a lot of folks on not just my neighborhood council, but um, all of the different the 99 different neighborhood councils throughout LA have been really pushing to be able to meet remotely because you know, most folks do have um, enough background to at least get on yeah. a virtual meeting together and allow the stakeholders in their communities to be represented. Um, and unfortunately, the uh, wheels of bureaucracy have been turning especially slow yeah. when it comes to virtual meeting virtually. Um, but they are now, the, the Department of Neighborhood Empowerment, which kind of oversees all of the 99 neighborhood councils in LA, is pushing forward with some trainings and guidance after which they will be allowing neighborhood councils to, uh, to meet remotely. But right now, it's just kind of a holding pattern. Oh, it's kind of, sus kind of suspended, the, the meetings? Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah, which is unfortunate because they they actually have allocated emergency funds to right. this to address this this crisis, but 
the councils can actually meet to discuss those funds. Mm-hmm. Well, essentially, California right now is just sort of like functioning by executive order. I mean, there was like a there was a political article about this uh, this morning, which was basically saying like because the legislature is not in session in California, Gavin Newsom is uh, essentially our governor here is uh, is essentially kind of um, wielding uh, unprecedented uh, gubernatorial executive authority and essentially um, running the state by by edict. I don't think it's exactly as draconian as the political press wants to make it out, but uh, there we are seeing sort of with the suspension of regular regularly meeting um, legislatures and um, and local officials of uh, volunteered or otherwise, uh, we're seeing uh, uh, mayors and governors really uh, wielding an unprecedented amount of power. I have to admit, but. Let's take let's take it back to to the the crises that were the the humanitarian crisis that we're we're experiencing here in LA County and in California at large, which is there is uh, uh, just a inhumane and uh, unsupportable number of people who do not have proper shelter who are living in the streets, and um, and the the coronavirus outbreak and the subsequent lockdown. Uh, has exasperated the the crisis, uh, but also has the potential to to move forward some some policy that could help these people get back on their feet and um, and not have to to suffer at the hands of an economic inequality. Um, but in 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 I'll open up the conversation for discussion here in a sec. But the last thing I want to bring up in our little intro here is that as a neighborhood council person, you have experienced um, pushback. On um, proposals uh, to to provide shelter to these folks, is that correct? Uh, yeah, that that is correct. In fact, um, it kind of uh, dominated the discourse in the neighborhood I live in, it, which is Koreatown uh, in in Los Angeles. Um, unfortunately, due to uh, I think a lot of um, misinformation through conservative media and uh, kind of NIMBY cha- channel. So not so in not my backyard. In my backyard. Exactly. Yeah, the not in my backyard movement um, came out pretty strongly after there was a proposed uh, uh, emergency homeless shelter right in Koreatown on city property. This was not going to be tearing down uh, beloved historic monument this wasn't going to be displacing anyone it was uh, a parking lot it was paving a parking lot and putting up essentially paradise putting up uh <laughs> and jo- opportunity <laughs> yeah exactly Josh putting up Mitchell. an opportunity so i'm joking but i you know this is an opportunity to save lives so i don't think it's that that uh uh you know, much of an exaggeration to say for, for the folks who are living on the sidewalk and have no place to use the restroom, no yeah. place to shower, no place to put their belongings, this could have been a huge asset to our community. And unfortunately, due to that misinformation campaign, a uh, protest movement that saw hundreds of people come out in the streets and thousands of people sign a petition saying, not in my backyard. Hmm. Don't, you know, ostensibly, you know, theoretically, these folks said, we care about people experiencing homelessness, but if you put a shelter around here, it's just going to make them all come to Koreatown. So get it out. Mm-hmm. That, was, that was essentially the messaging we heard. And they eventually decided, the city eventually backed down and decided to not build a shelter here. Hmm. Unbelievable. Well, I would say it's unbelievable, but it's not. And uh, I, I think... That the whole NIMBY, uh, not in my backyard, uh, uh, idea, um, which has, and sometimes it can be a good idea, which is like if someone wants to build a nuclear power plant or a military base in your nice neighborhood, you might want to say, hey, not in my backyard. But then the, 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 uh, the double-sided coin to that is, well, if it's not in your backyard, it's got to be in someone's backyard. So um, it's one of those situations where we, wa- we want to be empathetic. We want to be empathetic of, of business leaders who are concerned or, uh, or business owners rather are concerned, but we have to be empathetic for those who are the most 
vulnerable. And that's why I, I see that as, as, as a shame. But I, you know, and, and you certainly don't do this, but I, I don't think we can necessarily villainize the folks who, who were out protesting. Um, but it is a darn shame. So um, I think that all dovetails into uh, what you wanted to discuss, Ben, um, which um, relates to this Los Angeles Times article about, um, well, not the article itself, but what's actually happening, which is um, a program to potentially use hotels as temporary housing for um, people experiencing homelessness during yeah, COVID lockdown. So I'll pass it over to you. Yeah, so I guess, I mean, I was, so I, I know Josh has heard me going on about how commercial real estate, you know, how can we have commercial real estate when we don't even have everyone with a, a, a roof to go home to if they still want one. But, you know, hotels seem to be, so when I came across this article last week, I, I meant to, to follow a little bit more, but it seemed to be a quick and supposedly easy approach. But some of the things that struck me is that out of, that, that, we're, that, that there's the negotiation, the contract process of a legality, everything like that, where, yeah, I totally get it. You know, if you're a hotel owner, you want to have a say in things. Um, and I'm not saying we need like an authoritarian hand to just push everything aside. Yeah. But wanted to hear a little bit from Josh on first, a couple of things, like what he thinks about this approach, if it could be scaled up in the short term. But really, if you could just think about what you, what you kind of think about in the long run, might we ever see any of these hotels, even for a year or two, stay as permanent, uh, like real housing for people. Yeah, so I think, let me break up the question in a few different pieces. So uh, in terms of just the, the idea itself, I definitely think it, it seems like a pretty simple approach. We have uh, an estimated 98,000 hotel and motel units in LA County and about 60,000 people experiencing homelessness across the county um, that said, you know, is, you're right. It's not a, the, the, the simplest approach and um, we do not live in an authoritarian state. There is precedent for um, uh, taking over these hotels and using them in states of emergency. And it is a state of emergency. We're under a state of emergency, I, I think. So just on, on principle, you know, if you have the opportunity to prevent someone from dying and you choose not to, I think that is, uh, I think it's morally wrong. And there are people dying on the streets and we have the opportunity to save them. And I think we should take advantage of the assets we, we have there. Um, yeah, I think on that second, oh yeah, go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, go no, ahead. no, go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to say on the second point of, of turning into permanent supportive housing, I think that that is a potential so solution and I think definitely more of a long-term issue given that I, I do think a lot of the hotel owners here are pretty uh, anxious to, to hold on to that property uh, given that the Olympics will be coming up in a few years and, and yeah. just everything that's going to be coming down the road here, but that said, so much of the research shows that 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 a house housing first model, so just getting folks off the street to begin with, can be so helpful at, at yeah. um, really helping them get on their feet and then access the types of supportive services, whether it's mental health services, substance abuse treatment, or just uh, job placement. So many different issues that you can't really even begin to address until you have a roof over your head. So this actually does have a, a huge potential um, after this immediate crisis is over to solve a, a more systemic issue. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. That's a, that's a really excellent point. I mean, I mean um, the bringing it down to just the basic level of, uh, of morality that you point out, that it's just a, if you can do something to save someone, it's not that you should, it's that you have to. There is a moral imperative. And I remember, in, I don't want to get too religious right now, but I remember in, in, in Sunday school, there was something in the Old Testament, and it's one of the commandments, not one of the 10 commandments, but one of the, the other lesser known um, 
B-side commandments that was something about like that, you know, we have all of the, all of the commandments, you know, you got to follow all this stuff. Um, but if there is a life at stake, if you, if you need to save a life, you basically have a free pass that you can, you can kind of bend the rules a little bit. And I, I see that as a situation that we're in right now. And yeah. yeah, Ben, I'll pass it back over to you. No, I totally agree. It's like a lot of times we say, well, we can't do these things because of uh, their, we have to go through these certain processes or this, that, or the other thing, or it's not legal, but it's kind of like, those are all human creations. Um, so if we say that our first priority is making sure there's enough housing, you look around and yeah. some of the things you might do is say, you know, that the, the legality, it's perfectly legal to buy real estate and hold on to it to speculate for the prices to go up in 10 years from now. Yeah. But it would say, you know what? Well, it, it, it kind of sucks, but we're going to pay you 80% or whatever yeah. what you bought it for and take it from you because this is a perfectly suitable, this is kind of what's going on with moms for housing in Oakland. It's like they found out that if you just look at the number of vacant units at any given time, it's more than the number of people who don't have houses to live in in Oakland. So it's like, well, we're just going to go live in them because it seems like yeah. – Morally, they're totally fine. Legally, obviously, they're not. The, uh, you know, they came in with the, the bar drams and guns and kicked them out, but then they actually did allow them to go back in because they were able to prevail and change the rules of the game. But it kind of brings up those. It's like, what are... And it, well, they were exposing injustice, you know, and that, yeah, that's... Yeah, and I, saying, let's get over ourselves at some point, and yeah. it's like... Are I, you I typing, by the way, Ben? No, I think real, yeah, I'm taking notes. Oh. It's like, I think real estate, I have a squeaky chair. Maybe I should get some grease on this thing. Oh, okay. The, um, yeah, it's saying like we got some priorities. And I think the vast num majority of people would agree that housing people is, pro is more important than yeah. protecting the right. rights of real estate speculators. Yeah. yeah you know, all the speculators might agree with that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, one can speculate. Uh, I mean, the, the thing is... I, like I said at the beginning, Josh, um, you are one of the most empathetic people I know. A perfect example of this is uh, I was shitting on uh, meter maids one day. I was just, I went into an epic rant about meter maids. I was like, fuck meter maids. They're the worst. I hate them. On the list of things that I hate in life, it's Nazis, uh, uh, Yankees fans, people who don't use their turn indicators, and meter maids. And you're like, hey, you know, meter maids are just trying to, you know, do their job and they're decent people, blah, blah, blah. And then our friend Roger was like, uh, yeah, my grandma's a meter maid. And I realized, oh, okay, if grandma, if grandma Perez is a, is a sweet old uh, uh, meter maid, uh, then maybe meter maids are not evil. So, Josh, you are kind of the king of, of, of empathy. And um, so, obviously, it's... It, we have to be empathetic to people who are like suffering on the streets. But I mean, I think it helps to, to take the perspective of not only a owner of a hotel, right. But uh, someone who might stay at the hotel. And that, that gets us to, to another topic I want to talk about related to, to COVID, which is the sort of tacit agreement we've made in our own minds to accept that life is not gross. Okay. So um, if you're a hotel owner, you might say, well, I really don't want a bunch of, of, of people, you know, they could say, I don't want a bunch of diseased homeless people in my hotel because, you know, it's going to lower the value of the hotel or I can't rent it out to other people or in the future, people aren't going to want to stay here. And if I was a tourist coming in for the Olympics, even if the, the, the folks had already been cleared out and hopefully moved to, to better quarters, um, and if I found out like, oh, there was diseased homeless people here, like that person might not necessarily want to stay at that hotel. But... Here's the thing, whether it's like some businessman slob who is, you know, uh, uh, cheating on his wife in his hotel room or a person who's down on their luck and experiencing a bunch of issues uh, and is just needs a place to stay so they don't die of a flu. Uh, they're going to clean the room afterwards. They're going to use the same bleach on the sheets. They're going to use the same disinfectant on the counter. OK, so there's nothing more gross about Mr. Businessman having been in your hotel the night before than um, a guy who is just trying to get off the street so he can save his own life, right? But there's that perception, which goes to 
this this perception that we've all had since we've all started since a lot of people started living in population centers like we do that this is not gross that going on a train and, and breathing everyone's fart air and touching every everyone you know touching everything that everyone else is touching going to disneyland going to concerts breathing on each other all of this stuff going you know opening the doors to bathrooms putting our hands on shopping carts and you know bacteria everywhere like this is all like we live a gross life essentially um that being said i feel like ironically in, in in recent years we've sort of been overhand sanitizing ourselves and like you know overdoing a little bit of that while ignoring getting locked down in that small time kind of stuff where we're losing the broader picture of like what is gross about our society so um yeah so this so, might change a perception of some people on yeah. people are messy they're not gross you know, people leave messes, but they're not, you know, it's not like we're walking cesspools. Yes. Well, you are both messy and gross. <laughs> well, yeah, but that's different. <laughs> You're like, that's you a personal guess. ideological guess choice. Today, okay, we'll be on our best behavior. We don't um, have to behave, but well, we should, you know, ask him some more questions. Yeah, well, let's, well, let's, yeah, let's ask some, some more questions. Um, I, I do, um, I actually do know someone who is volunteering uh, at one of these uh, uh, these hotels, and she is a city employee because she she's a, a librarian, um, and um, oh. and she's still working because she provides an essential service. And, and honestly, her work she you know is like an, a, a brilliant expert in like all things uh, all things books, all things library and, and history, and just an amazing person. But she's also um, basically providing human services. You know, she's basically working in the human services sector because there's so many people experiencing homelessness uh, and other uh, other uh, issues who that she basically spends her whole day working with, you know. Um, you know, she works on awesome programs, working with kids and, and you know, doing play readings and stuff. But a lot of it is frontline human services. So, mm -hmm. Josh, um, where do you see... Um, people being where do you see that that like that line being blurred uh in terms of like uh people who who are just do, trying to do their job and, and doing a normal job but since they live in or work in los angeles since they they work in a place that's experiencing this not only this current epidemic but the larger epidemic of people experiencing homelessness um becoming frontline uh health and human services providers you know i, I have been thinking a lot about that myself um, but you know, recent figures actually show that over 70% of people experiencing homelessness do not have a mental illness or substance abuse disorder. Um, and, and I think one of the, the big things, unfortunately, in our society is that the most visible signs of homelessness are the most acute and chronic yeah. uh, cases, um, you know, some folks who have, are going through just a really tough time. And that's what you, that's the way you have to think about it. You know, it's not, this person is gross. It's someone going through probably oh, yeah. one of the, the most worst of worst day of their life and they have to deal with that every, every single day um, without access to, to, to the help that they need. That represents such a small, um, minority of folks you know with with the housing crisis here in la which is really at the root of the homelessness crisis you know we estimate that we get about 150 folks into homeless fall into homelessness every day while we are housing about 130 a day about 150 fall into homelessness so it's, it's really a housing crisis that we're we're looking at um and yeah to your point you 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 really hit the nail on the head when you mentioned, you know, there are folks who are not homeless, who stay in hotels and do plenty of gross things, but yes. no one is saying like, nope, you can't have bachelor parties at hotels anymore. No, you can't have uh, single men stay at a hotel like that, you know, is not a, a, a realistic or even a, a thought that people entertain. And yet, just because someone doesn't have a place to live, suddenly they are deemed unworthy. Yeah. I think is is just uh, un unfortunate. And yeah, we're um, gonna yeah. we're gonna notice the guy yeah. on the street who's like yelling and screaming and not wearing a shirt. Like 
you know, doing drugs or whatever, but the, you know, like we, we, people who've lived in urban areas, we've all, we've all seen like this kind of behavior play out. We're not necessarily seeing the guy who's, you know, sitting, living in his car that you might see in a parking lot. You might not think, Oh, that person's experiencing homelessness. Or if you're at the gym and there's yeah. a guy taking a shower next to you, you might not think, Oh, that, you know, that guy's experiencing homelessness. But that, but from, from the facts that you're, you're stating, it sounds like those individuals who are just kind of like, trying to get their life together that that's the majority it's the acute minority of people you know who are experiencing the those those very visible problems come to represent the 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 broader group which is i mean obviously that's all that's that kind of like profiling is a huge problem that we see in our society whether it's at the yeah, airport or police or any it's just a new kind of profiling right yeah we got mental yeah. like a lot of people where you know we have mental illness and some of the highest ranking powers in the country there's plenty of ceos and total so we could, could look at people we've had on this show for instance oh, the past oh yeah it yeah. just which of the mental illnesses do we do we like and which ones don't we like and so yeah. you know one people one person is doing it on the streets the other one's doing it behind closed doors or in boardrooms but yep and one's not called a mental illness sometimes it's called oh, a gift but yeah. it's all a categorization right. and so yeah it's like a housing first policy yeah. yeah. Well, it brings me back to like the financial crash. Like I always, it always drove me crazy uh, when they were passing TARP in 09, I guess it was, um, uh, that the problem was we have a bunch of people who are kicked out of their homes and we have a bunch of people, we have a bunch of empty homes because we've been building so many homes lately. Well, what should we do? Oh, I don't know. Let's give a trillion dollars to uh, people who are already rich and bail them out. Um, and I, I think that... Um, what gives me hope is we're kind of finally seeing some of those like put the round peg into the round hole kind of solutions where it's like, it's not like, let's look, be, let's look beyond like rates of return and commercial real estate and just look at what is the fucking immediate problem and how can we solve it right now? And if that means, you know, taking a red roof in and uh, letting somebody stay in there for a couple months so they don't fucking die, God bless. Let's go for it. And I know that yeah. the constitutional guys are going to get all up in arms because they're going to say, oh, this is unlawful search and seizure or, you know, they'll go back to. And the first thing that actually popped in my mind when I heard about this hotel thing is in the, the Bill of Rights, the, that first first round of amendments. There was that whole thing about, I don't know, is this is it four? Maybe <laughs> maybe it's three where like the government, the army basically can't just in the middle of the war, take your house. And so we're are we seeing a modern equivalent of that where like we're at war with this virus. And so Gavin Newsom's taking your hotel. Like, are we really, you know, so I can see how there could be some constitutional arguments against this, but like we've been shitting on the constitution since it's been ratified with, uh, you know, the horrible abuses of power in our government. So <laughs> let's, uh, let's, uh, let's get around that one uh, and, uh, and get some people off the streets. But I don't know. I sound like a crazy revolutionary as I always do. Um, <laughs> Mm -hmm. You know, what you were just saying, uh, I think you can tie some of these threads together and just like the the ideas behind um, taking maybe a more uh, non-traditional approach to things. I think we, we are, because we are in a, a crisis, like kind of the point I made earlier, it has some potential to like really shake some things loose. And um your point about your, your friend who is forced to become a, a frontline, um, you know, human services worker, even though she's, uh, you know, trained um, to be, you know, to work at the, at the library and have to deal with these things. A lot of the issues with, with kind of the, the exposure, the, the frontline issues that we're seeing on the street really stem from a lack of the way our money flows and the system that we've designed as, as we kind of touched on earlier like this is a human-made system and it's flawed yes. but we tend to just go with what's already been um happening before rather than than uh, kind of taking those more novel you know novel approaches and something that i've had a chance to work at in my professional role so outside of my role in the neighborhood council is working at releasing the restrictions from a lot of our funding that actually goes to the, those frontline 
staff who are actually trained to be uh, mental health workers. Because right now you have a system where the dollars are, you get paid every time someone comes in and uh, pays a visit or has an appointment at your clinic. You yeah. cannot get the dollars to actually go out on the street and find people where they, they most need the help because we're in this system that you know, we, we have this kind of built-in lethargy. You know, it's hard to get things moving if they're not already kind of on that track. So it's hard to, to, to shake things up. And I think those two threads really uh, intersect nicely. You know, if we can get the restrictions on these dollars pulled out, it can actually mean that the folks that are most specially trained to deal with, with some of the toughest cases can actually go out into the street and, and, and provide the services that they need to. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. More flexibility. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. That's, that is, that is really a lot of food for thought came on the right show, buddy. So um, any other uh, questions that, that Ben, that you have for Josh or any, any comments that you have Josh on this topic before we, we move on to our, our second topic of the day? I let Josh go. I don't have anything. Uh, nothing from my end. Just really appreciate the, the time to, to talk to you both. Thank you, Absolutely. Josh. So um, hopefully you, can, you have time to stick on for our next segment. Definitely. All right, great. So um, something recently uh, occurred in the news, Ben, um, related to um, possible, uh, possible use of, of everyday uh, household cleaning items to, um, to prevent the coronavirus. Have, have you boys heard about this? Uh, I think actually, well, my phone keeps hard restarting, but earlier yeah. today, my aunt sent a screenshot. I didn't see it. Now my, everything's gone. So I had a glimmer of visual on it. Okay. So this is, so the, the, the president, the president's basically in saying that like you can inject, like what was it saying that you could inject into your blood to stop coronavirus? Oh, I'm saying oh, disinfectant. Disinfectant. Oh. Okay. Oh, wow. So yeah. Like a, so like use like pledge or pine saw or something or or just like a gen or just like a he was he started mentioning disinfectant and sanitizer and how or sanitizer he was really saying that sanitizer can disinfect things and then started going off about how you know what if you can get that inside of you somehow you know maybe like injecting it he I think he said it was it was weird. Okay. Okay. So then people, so basically like, I think some of the companies had to come disinfectant companies, like had to come out and say like, do not put our product in a syringe and mainline it into your veins. <laughs> Cause that is, that is not what to do, but I don't know. This, yep. this, this actually might be good advice. Um, and, uh, I think that we should actually, uh, show some more respect to our president and listen to what he has to say and get his side of the story. So, Let's, um, Ben, uh, Josh, let's take a quick break and then we'll come back and we'll, we'll get the president to dial in here and uh, we'll get his side of the story and then we'll get some of his, uh, some of his other health tips to get us through the coronavirus. Sound good, boys? I, yeah, I can't wait to hear what he has to say. All right, great. Well, uh, don't go anywhere, folks. We'll be right back on Talk on the Internet. And we're back talking on the internet with Josh and Ben. Ben, um, why don't you go ahead and intro our uh, next guest, uh, the the president? You want to go ahead and bring him in? Yeah. So next up, we have President um, Donald B. J. Trump. Um, right. He's actually able to join us today because uh, it was just announced recently that he's going to be scaling back his press briefings after. We're scaling. We're scaling. No, I, 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 I'm. Still talking. Um, he's scaling back after some comments that he made that basically I think was saying that like take your bottle of Purell and put it in a syringe because in his mind everyone uses heroin I guess and shoot it into your veins. Maybe he meant intermuscular, but he's basically he's been told let's cut back on these press briefings. So he's got a lot of free time in his hand. So I wanna, so thanks for for coming and stopping by as as you. Um, no problem. The, yeah. The liberal media wants to say that you should social distance all the time. And look, we got to reopen the states, folks. So I'm, I'm going to every single podcast host's house 
personally, and I'm going to personally shake their hands. So well, are we perhaps, part of the liberal? What are we? We're not liberal media, right? No, you are. You're more like bandits on oh, the long road of the information superhighway. So just to be totally transparent with you, something that you've never done in your entire life, we have another guest on. His name is DJ J Twizzle Sticks. <laughs> uh, also goes by Josh. Well, hello, Josh. It's nice to meet you. I hope you're doing well. Uh, yeah, I, I wish I could say it was nice to meet you. Um, I just had some questions. Wow. What do you... Uh, go for it. What, where did you hear this advice about injecting people with uh, disinfectant or sanitizer? Did you hear that from a medical professional? Well, a lot of people are saying that injecting yourself with different types of cleaner uh, is a good thing. So a lot of people are saying that. So we're looking into it. We're looking into it. We're talking to some terrific scientists, the top scientists. And not a lot of people know that there are scientists who work for me and the great scientists. So we're talking to the scientists and they're saying, you know, we have all of these things that we can use, that we can inject. So we inject. And so a lot of people are saying that. So we're looking into it. And we'll see. We'll see. So I do want to say I, I did see that your press secretary, um, Kylie, had actually said uh, she's on the record. Well, she's my press personal assistant. Okay. Press. Okay. She's, anyway, she's a professional. She's not just a secretary. We have a lot of secretaries. She's not just that. Okay, Ben. She's so much secretaries more. Secretaries are some of. You're very sexist. You know, Obama was very sexist. He put. He didn't make Hillary vice president he said you're a secretary so we don't have secretaries we have personal assistants you're very sexist double standard bearer ben uh thank you for that compliment um so you so she had said that you repeatedly repeatedly tell americans that they should consult with their medical doctors and you even said that at the end of yesterday's briefing Right. So, so what you're, so the way I'm hearing this is like you tell people one thing, but you're saying, don't actually listen to me. Go ask your doctor. Well, that's right. You got to ask your doctor and my, my doctor. Why are you, what, why are you spouting this off then? What's you just well, say whatever comes to mind. Do you have a, do you have well, I'm a very stable, I'm a very stable genius, Ben. And not a lot of people know that, but I have good instincts. All right. I know when to push, I know when to pull. So I think that people should consult their medical doctor. So who does know that you're a stable genius? If it's such a small number, could you name them? Well, a lot of people. A lot of people say. You said not many people. You just said not many. Now it's a lot. Well, a lot of people, but not many. You know, when you think about people, Ben, there's a lot of people. So a small group of people could be not a lot of people, but you could even get 100 people and say, hey, look, we got 100 people. There's a lot of people. But you say, look, there's... There's like 69 billion people. So that's not really a lot of people. But a lot of people are saying that. And my doctor, Dr. Drew, who's a great doctor, fantastic doctor, uh, he's been saying that the media has been overhyping the coronavirus. So well, you should listen to your doctor. You could also listen to me. I'm a very smart guy, very stable genius. Okay? Okay. Josh, what a, do you have, would you like to ask him anything? AMA, I think I'm I'm left I'm left uh, uh, pretty uh, pretty speechless. All right, um, well, let me ask you a question then, Mister Mister Super. Everybody cares about people experiencing homeless people. Okay, you guys are so great with your with your helping of everybody and you're caring about everybody. But what about the businessmen, the business people? The people, the brave people who fired all of those bums, who won't hire those bums, the fantastic businessmen, men of America. What do you say to them, huh? You're going to take over everything? You're going to, you're, going to, you're going to go in like a communist and you're going to take over all the businesses and all the houses. You're going to let the bums in. You're going to let the immigrants. You're going to let the, the Chinese into your home. What's next? You're going to give Russia to your house? You're going to give Russia? You're going to let Russia take everything? You're going to give everything to the bums and the diseased and the homeless and the people from the other countries and these horrible people. They're not great people. Okay, you got bums, you got horrible people, and now they're in hotels. They say, look at me, I'm in a hotel. I own hotels. on a lot of hotels, great hotels, fantastic hotels. We don't let a lot of bums in there. We don't let bums in there. We once had Carrot Top in there. He was a huge bum. He never paid his bill. We kicked him right out. So who are you to tell me who I should let into my exclusive hotels? That being said, I oh, need to be bailed out by the uh, small business loan thing. So if you could fill that out for me, that would be 
great. I'd be happy to, but I just, I'm just wondering, you know, you have so much of a concern about what goes on in hotels. Uh, when great you were concern. getting peed on in a hotel, uh, were you thinking about the cleanliness of what was going question. on? Yeah. Well, it's urine is fantastic. Yeah. Urine is fantastic. Not a lot of people say this, but urine is fantastically clean. It's wonderful, clean, beautifully clean urine. I have fantastically clean urine. That's also a good point. It's very clean. Urine is sterile, Josh. It's when they, true. you know, when I was not in Vietnam, I heard that many people were peeing on each other to disinfect wounds, but that was not my award. Horrible bones first, terrible bones first. So I never got to pee on anybody. It's one of my great regrets. You know, I never got to serve my country and I never got to pee on people. You know, when John McCain got shot down, I said, you know, I prefer people who don't get shot down. The real heroes are those who are peeing on people, okay? So that person who is peeing on me, who may or may not allegedly been peeing on me, not a lot of people are saying that, so we're looking at that. But that was very clean, a wonderfully clean, fantastically clean experience. Okay, I'm a very clean person. So you basically see the vast majority of people as just like pawns or tools in the game for you and your business, men friends. Is that basically accurate? Well, that's right. The fantastic pawns and, you know, very much pawns of very, they're little guys and they're on the chess board and you move them around and you lose your pawns. You go, oh, I lost a pawn, but it's not too bad. That's how you, you think of most people other than your close friends. Right. Very small pawns, One, but, but great pawns. Wonderful pawns. You can't play chess without pawns, boys. You only got one king, that's me, and one queen, that's Mike Pence, and you, <laughs> and you got a lot of pawns, and you got to learn how to move the pawns. Not a lot of people know this, but I know how to move pawns, folks. I've been moving pawns for years. I'm a great pawn mover. Right. I'm it's on Pawn Stars, wonderful show, fantastic show, Las Vegas show, great store, wonderful things. Get an old Soviet Army uniform or a prop that was used in New Jack City. Very great pawns, fantastic. Yeah, well, the thing is that we're not uh, a game of chess, though. This is life. People have or should have more free will. What if someone doesn't want to be a pawn in your game? And then, but you use the backing of, of guns and missiles and violence to, to push them back. You think that is, that's a fair approach? Well, I think it's a fantastically fair approach choice okay because life is fair ben okay look you're free to to move across the chessboard all you want okay do you know do you spend a lot of time talking to arnold schwarzenegger well you know arnold and i we used to be very good friends fantastically good friends we were both you know in the running running in the same circles of you sort of weightlifting together i imagine right sort of socially liberal but you know fantastically business-minded sort of neocons and then we've sort of we've, we've gone separate paths because you know i've become an immigrant hating nazi okay and who's just stacking the courts with just crazy religious ideologues and you know he's become a, a, a horse fucker so you know i can't i can't tell you you know He's, I'm the president and he's fucking so many horses. What's your horses. strategy for remaining president even though you're not going to win the next election? How are you going to pull that one off? Well, I think we're going to steal it and it's going to be a wonderful... But how? Story. Tell us exactly how. What, what are you going to do? Well, there's the voter suppression, okay? There's the black people who, who... There's the people who have been... Who are black or have been black, okay? There's people who... Um, there's people who are afraid to get coronavirus and we're going to make them go outside if they want to vote, okay? There's the people who don't have IDs. I don't know, how could you not have an ID, folks? You need an ID. You need an ID to get into a place, to go on an airplane. But some people don't have IDs. Not a lot of people know that, but there's some people who don't have IDs and they have no way to identify yourself. So they could just show up. Saddam Hussein could have shown up in Ohio and said, I'm voting for John Kerry or whatever. And no one would have taken his card. They could have said, look, this guy is Saddam Hussein. And he's signed up to vote for anti-Sue you know, uh, Auntie Sue and, and Llewellyn Bethe, and he's, but he's clearly got a mustache and he's an evil uh, terrorist lover, but we're going to let him vote because we don't need to have an ID. So what we're going to do is we're going to stop people from voting by scaring them about like, right. So, I mean, that's been going on for a while. Do you have any new tactics that you're looking at implementing? Maybe with well, governors or... Well, sure. Parks? We're going to, you know, we're going to, 
we're going we're gonna to change the rules of elections, right? And then we're going to pack the courts with these lawsuits, okay? There's going to be fantastic lawsuits that will be stopping all of the voter, you know, pro-voter um, initiatives, all the pro-voter laws. We're going to pack the courts with all these lawsuits. But the courts are shut down. There's no courts, Ben, because the stupid liberals have shut down everything. So they shut well, down. That's not court. true. My, I, I know so many. He still goes. He, he, the courts are happening. But anyway, you, you don't probably get out much. Um, what do you do? You think because you keep calling yourself a wartime president? Are you? That's right. I'm wearing a helmet right now. Fantastic, beautiful helmet. Why? And it seems. I mean, based on the release from um, Kimber's name right now, basically it looks like you and a few others and Netanyahu are like actively trying to get Iran to retaliate and you want to just, you just want an actual like physical war. It sounds like, is that one of your strategies to be reelected? Well, a lot of people cancel the election. Like what are you doing? Well, look, the Iranians have a lot of boats, fantastic boats, wonderful boats, but we're going to shoot the boats, Ben. If the boats, if their boats come up to our boats and they say, Hey, we're boats, then we're going to shoot the boats. And if we have to shoot the boats, we'll shoot the boats, okay? This is the response from what you, a stable genius. You Very stable. Ask you about this and then you're, you're answering. See, a boat is not I'm stable. talking about boats. A boat's not stable, okay? Boat rocking back and forth, okay? Going one way, going the other. That's where some people barf on their boats. I don't barf because I'm stable, okay? I'm stable, stable genius. I could see the boats. I see them moving, but I don't get a stomach ache. So that's why I say we go to Iran, Iran, I ran so far away, whatever you want to call it, we're going to attack them, we're going to take them down, and then we're not only going to win the election here, but we're going to win the election in Iran. I'm going to be the president of Iran, and it'll be fantastic. Well, to quote an old favorite, uh, Billy Madison, I feel dumber after having listened to you. Um, Was there anyone else that came over in your limousine and helicopter? I know you had like 40 cars roll up. Is there anyone else that we could bring up? Well, I, I'm also going to quote Billy Madison, and I'm going to say, did you see that guy's balls? Uh, they were weird. Okay. <laughs> wow. Thank you for adding that. It uh, makes absolutely no sense. Well, uh, we got a lot of guys in the motorcade, wonderful guys. We got guys driving the cars. We got people, you know, going out to McDonald's to get sandwiches and doing other things, and they're really great people. Is Obama in the car or Clinton with you? Oh, you want to talk to Bill? One of the two. I know you guys roll together. Yeah, well, Bill and I, you know, we've been out whoring, and you know, we've been out, we've been out whoring, and we're looking for some whores, and that's, you know, we're looking into that, and we'll see. So yeah, he's been with me. We're staying at a Trump estate, and you know, there's a lot of bums trying to get in there and stay, but we're saying no, stay out. It's me. It's Bill. We're having a good time. So yeah, we're having a great time. We're going to meet up with Charlie Sheen later, and we're going to use protective gear so we don't get. HIV from Charlie. We're not afraid of not afraid of COVID, folks. I'm not afraid of COVID, but I'm afraid of getting HIV from Charlie Sheen. So that's the real outbreak here in California. So anyway, yeah, Bill's here. He's having a great time, isn't that right, Bill? There he is. You want to talk to him? If he's, I mean, I guess he got out of the car and walked in. So sure, yeah. Yeah, let me let me get him. Hi, Ben. How you doing, man? Um, I mean, I thought you would social distance from Trump, especially in a time like now, but it's just very surprising. Oh, hell no. Nah. He's rolling around with him. My boy Donald's one of the healthiest people I've ever talked to. There's no way he's going to get this coronavirus. Are actively trying to help him stay in power for like 10 more years or something? Like, what's your role? What's your game here? Keep him in power. Look, man. Why? What do you get from that? Keep him in power. Look, man, it's not up to me to decide who stays in power. I'm just a voter. I'm just a private citizen now, bro. So I'm not trying either way. I just know, look, who are you going to want to party with? You know, that, that's basically, that is basically what the election, last election came down to. Would you rather party, you know, with my wife, Hill, or would you three, rather party with- Three and a half more million people wanted to party with your wife, Hill, actually. So what do you say about that? Well, you know, like I said, and this is Trump now. Trump is back. Like I said, an L is still an L. Isn't that right, Bill? Yeah, that's right. An L is still an L on the board, bro. So she might have won more votes. But, like, people in uh, Ohio and Michigan 
they would rather party with this dude. So that's the way we're going to roll. So yeah, if the choice is do I stay at home with my wife and like read books and shit and watch Tiger King or do I roll with the fucking president? We go out whoring. Yeah, dude, I'm going to choose that. I'm going to vote for that. Wow. Well, you also told us on an earlier episode, you haven't even lived in the same house with her for like 12 or 20 years or something. So, um, Oh, no way, dude. No way. She won't put up with that shit. <laughs> the only thing, the only thing in our family that lives together are our servers living in a dark and dank basement somewhere. Well, that's right. You know, we never found your servers, Bill. We never found them and we're looking for them and we're looking into them. We'll see. That's right, boy. Servers. I don't even know what that is. I thought a server was just some dude who brought me a fucking cheeseburger. Cheese, <laughs> you too. I can't believe. He's is... funny. Let's get burgers, Bill. You want to get burgers? Hell yeah. Right, well, thanks for, for stopping by, I guess. Okay, let's. Uh, can you guys get out of my fucking. Really showing their true colors, you know? All right, Lee. Well, it's good to see you, and we'll look into that, and we'll see you soon. I'll see you later, Lee. It's good to see you, bro. We might be hosting the only press conferences Trump starts. He might be done. <laughs> yeah. So we'll, he'll come on, I guess, every week to address this. He's deplatforming himself, except for except for coming on talk on the internet. Yeah. So he'll come on this show. He'll talk, and our 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 hundreds of listeners will uh, listen. This is fucking astounding. All right. Well, um, hey, folks, uh, it's been a pretty good program today. Um, I'm, I'm very happy that um, our, our man Josh was able to dial in. Josh, I hope that you are able to join us in future episodes to talk about um, other topics, possibly shredding at metal guitar or some of the many other things that you do in your, mm. uh, in your life. Um, but thanks for joining. Any last words before we, uh, we roll out for the day? No, you know, I just thank you both so much for, for having me on, on the program. And uh, yeah, uh, just really hope that uh, our elected officials can, um, you know, have the, the courage to actually do what's right. Our and do the, the moral thing. Years. Yeah. <laughs> we got one yeah. right now. He's a thank you, Josh. Hope to see you, not see you soon. Yeah, well, thank you both so much. Great. Well, I hope everyone stays safe out there. Uh, for Ben, for Josh, for Bill, and for Donald, and for me, Lee. I'm Lee, and you're listening to me talk on the internet. You can uh, hit us up on the gram at Internet Batman, or send me an email at buyhustle at gmail.com, as in you can buy a new stadium, but you can't buy hustle. Have a great week, folks. <laughs>